Hello, and welcome to Held in Common, a podcast which celebrates the stories that are held in our communities, in our common knowledge, in our folk histories, and in our everydays. Stories told, like it is, like they are, by local people. I'm Polly Tisdall, freelance storyteller and coordinator for the Network Bristol, a community project which connects and empowers local residents. During COVID-19, we're celebrating silver lining stories held in common by the people of Bristol. And our theme for this episode is Cooking Up a Storm, food moments which have made people smile during the virus outbreak. Naomi, Bristol East. The food moment which has made me smile during the outbreak is definitely my homemade pasta sauce, which I made of anything left in the house before shopping day. I blended it and it was brown, so very brown. I asked local residents to share their positive stories of cooking, sharing food and eating during lockdown. And many, like Naomi, shared their favourite lockdown dishes. Our next contributor is a volunteer at St Werberg's City Farm. So he's been growing food as well as eating it. Lee Baker, the stoke quoi, I'm quoting lettuce and cucumbers, uh, loads of plants, and yes, um, my mum works at Sierra Farm, and I'm up there doing animals. I cook myself a bean on toast. Yum, beans on toast. Sometimes the classics are the best. For other Bristol residents, Food is a reminder of past challenges and how they got through them. Maybe it's because when I was little, I grew up um, in a dictatorship in Chile. So there, was, there were lots of lockdowns. And this time I've been remembering that time and what we tend to eat and the importance of puddings. Very simple puddings that my mom used to make um, with milk, sugar flour and um, butter, so the, the usual suspects. So I've, I've been doing or trying to replicate uh, recipes that um, I, Chilean recipes were that, that I used to eat, like um, leche asada, arroz con leche, um, leche nevada. Um, as, as you can hear, all of them have leche, which is milk. And so they are kind of flans or simple milk puddings. And it's been really reconforting to learn to prepare those and to, to share them with, with my children. As we're all aware, access to food for those in need has become an even greater concern for communities during coronavirus. Rachel Hodgson and Helen Ashley volunteer with the Super Supper Club providing free food to residents in need in BS5. They got in touch to describe how they've been adapting their service during COVID-19 and cooking up some creative dishes. I knew we could still get the food and I knew there were still people in need and we had to change it. So we bought takeaway containers and because of travelling and not having heated vans, we chose to cook them one week, freeze them straight away and then they're available the following week and we put a menu up and people can choose what they'd like to have for dinner. 
We've had people sort of phoning us up from as far away as Cornwall, haven't we? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, a, a couple con- don't view Facebook and their brother has contacted us from Cornwall. So I talked to him on the phone and we organised delivery to his brother. Yeah. So it's a really sort yeah. of flexible service. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of meals have we been making? Well, this week I had parsnips and pears. So I've made parsnip and pear curry. And it's really nice. We've made banana and carrot curry. We've also made lamb stew roast dinners on a sunday are very popular um um we had to eat a mess for dessert i'm hoping to make a trifle next week and uh, yeah and we've also started doing halal meals haven't we so we can sort of serve our wider community here in bs5 yeah yeah there's and also it is ramadan and iftar with a meal they eat in the evening which is a big celebration for the muslim community and so we're helping to help families to have a nice meal and leave themselves. And if you live in BS5 and you're in need of some food or know somebody in need of food, Super Supper Club runs at Bagator in Easton on Wednesday evenings and at the Wellspring Settlement in Barton Hill on Saturdays. Meanwhile, food sharing has been happening between neighbours too. Once upon a time, you might have popped next door to ask if you could borrow some sugar. And it seems coronavirus has got Bristol's residents once again sharing food door to door and thinking differently about where we source our food from. My name is Shankri Raj from Eastville in Bristol. A food moment which has made me smile during the outbreak is probably food in general, um, the little pleasures of um, being excited about what you're going to have for breakfast, lunch and dinner and um, where you're going to source your food from. One of the real treats has been um, the community spirit of our street in Stonebridge Park in Eastville. Um, There's been bulk buying, so someone offered to um, go out and buy eggs and um, on the WhatsApp group this came about, at least about 20 people were after a dozen or so eggs. So we've been receiving eggs to our doorstep from one of our neighbours every week or every other week. Alongside this, um, I think there was a shortage of flour um, in the shops. So one of our neighbours bulk um, bought flour and distributed this into bags of 1.6 kilos and and we we got three bags for six pounds. Tomatoes was another thing and huge cheese wheels um, arrived which were then cut up and distributed as well. Food has always been a central and unifying part of our lives. But it feels that this crisis is shining a light on our relationship with food and our relationships with others in our communities in new ways. For Shankiri, buying food together as a street has bigger positive impacts beyond her and her neighbours in Eastville. We're supporting small producers, food producers um, within the Bristol and wider region of the West Country who might be struggling at this time. It allows us to be locally sourcing food, which is really important for sustainability and um, reduces the, the miles of travel that food can, can take rather than getting it from abroad. Before lockdown began, Shankiri was one of many partners working on the What Is Your Soul Food recipe campaign, a project set up by Bristol charity The Architecture Centre and 91 Ways to Build a Global City, a Bristol-based social enterprise. This project also takes food as a starting point to bring about bigger positive change for the community. 
For each episode of Held in Common, I interview a local Corona creative, an individual or organisation changing things for the better during the virus outbreak. This time, I spoke to Georgina Bolton from the Architecture Centre and asked her to describe the What is Your Soul Food project in more detail. The project is putting out the question to Bristolians of the city to share their favourite recipes with us, um, asking them what are their favourite recipes they've created during lockdown, what recipes have been in their family for generations, um, what food and um, recipes are bringing joy to these days in lockdown, and what have they been loving eating and cooking together as families. So the What Is Your Soul Food recipe campaign and is actually part of a wider partnership project which we're calling the Greenway Project in St Paul's Um, and this is a collaboration between the Architecture Centre, St Paul's Learning Centre, St Paul's Adventure Playground and Tarlow um, as well as the people and the councillors of St Paul's and the Architecture Centre's mission as such or what they believe in is to really work collaboratively to inspire and involve people in shaping great places So this project has come about from people in St Paul's really working together, thinking about how how we can connect people through food to influence some permanent um, infrastructure changes. Can I ask you, how has the project changed um, during the coronavirus and during the lockdown? Because it sounds like something you were working on before coronavirus hit, and I'm wondering how it's evolved under coronavirus, how you're getting people to contribute to it now. Yeah, that's a really good question, Polly. We were um, a big part of this project, both the Greenway Wider Project and the Soul Food um, Recipe Covering Campaign are so based around connecting people um, together quite physically in St Paul's. You know, we've had a number of um, wonderful community gatherings and meetings, um, and often the project has developed with us all coming together and being in one place. So this has posed like considerable challenges, I think, as it has for everybody in in thinking through how we still can connect people socially together whilst potentially having to be physically distanced. Um, This soul food um, recipe gathering campaign was actually supposed to take the shape of a physical feast um, that we'd scheduled to happen in in the Learning Centre, actually, in collaboration with 91 Ways. And we were all going to come together, share a selection of world foods cooked by different wonderful chefs, one, uh, one being Glenn's Kitchen, who are based at the Learning Centre. Um, and we were going to kind of share stories of world food recipes, talk about the project, and all come together as a community. So um, that was due to happen in March. So obviously, due to keeping everyone safe, we had to make um, the hard decisions to obviously cancel that event. But um, it was actually then turned into a real opportunity about how how we could use food and think about food in a really positive way to potentially bring some joy back into people's lives during this time. And how can how can food be a catalyst for connecting people and bringing people together, um, encouraging people to share recipes and stories and uh, new things they're trying in lockdown um, we really wanted to make sure that uh, if we did translate this campaign digitally that it was still meaningful um, and that it still meant something to the communities that we wanted to, to invite to engage and to work up these ideas with so all, all partners have been working so so um, hard in a way that they can to reach those that we, that we wanted to reach from that physical community feast um, but it's worth saying that you know we are 
we are um, aware that there will be some people less connected digitally and others that it's really, really challenging to connect with during this time. And we're really hoping to still be able to get together in that physical feast with, that will be um, produced in collaboration with 91 Ways, potentially during either the creation or the launch of the permanent elements of this project, either later in the summer or the autumn, when we're able to do so safely. Fantastic. And what will be the permanent elements of the project at that stage? Yeah, so um, the Greenway project is about connecting the three community hubs in St Paul's with their green spaces. Um, and it's, so it's, it's looking at St Paul's Adventure Playground um, and their plans for a new community cafe, actually, as part of their building. Um, we were looking at connecting that cafe with Backbutton Agnes Park, installing um, some big bits of colourful street furniture so that people can come together to gather and eat and support the local social enterprise that they're going to create. Obviously, at that site, you know, there's, there's been the devastating news of the fire and we're working with them. Um, or keeping close in contact with Guy and Rachel about that and supporting them in any way possible. So we're going to have to be responsive there, but we'd love these permanent infrastructure improvements at that site to be a part of that whole rebuild and transformation to, you know, encourage people to revisit such a loved asset for the area. Um, in, and then the idea is that it links the Greenway with other community hubs. So the next one on the route is us, is the Learning Centre. And... Again, the idea there is to celebrate Glenn's Kitchen, um, who's the social food enterprise, which are part of the Learning Centre, and to connect that with the green. So to think about a kind of hatch so that Glenn can open um, later to serve food out of the hatch. You'd have to go inside to put street furniture there that are bold colours. And um, one of the key things that um, the recipes are going to feed into is that we're working with some brilliant local artists um, Sophie and Rob Wheeler, who are part of Graft, who are local graffiti artists of the area. And um, the idea is that with their, their designs um, are going to be inspired by these food recipes and hopefully represent um, some of the world foods and ingredients and even explain some of the recipes potentially as mural artworks on the side of these community buildings. So the idea is that, you know, you'd be able to go past, uh, recognize some ingredients from recipes that, you know, you may have contributed to this campaign or that your friends and family have from the area or that mean something to you. And maybe take a photo of an Instagram recipe that's on the wall and then go back and, and, and bring that into your homes and, and cook it yourself. So um, at, the, at all three sites, I forgot to mention the last one, which is the community uh, room at Holston Drive. It's where Harlow and other community groups uh, use it as their room, as their space, um, quite a lot. And it's right next to Cabo School, and it's next to an area called St Paul's Gardens. Mm. Um, and that's the third site. So that's uh, going to have another recipe mural on the wall, street furniture, um, new signage, just just um, breathing kind of new life into these spaces that really uh, reconnect the community rooms with their, with their green areas next door. So it sounds like obviously food is at the heart of this campaign to connect people into their green spaces. What made you choose food as a focus? Well, together as a partnership group, it, it evolved that there, there, there were these really special offers at these community centres that were potentially a bit, I don't know, a bit uncelebrated or disconnected at each of the sites. For example, with, with Glenn's Kitchen, it's a hugely, you know, loved, 
cuisine um, and, and food offer within St Paul's. I mean, people travel from the other end of the city to, to come and get takeout from Glens. But if you were looking at, at the, you know, the learning centre from the green, you wouldn't know he was there. So it was about, right, how could we... How could we look at these food, these different food offerings? Glen's at, at the Learning Centre. You've got um, the Adventure Playground's ambitions to create a, a world food community cafe, uh, and think about how how we can really celebrate these different food offerings and use the green spaces creatively to actually um, support the sustainability of those businesses in the area. Um, and link them together too. So if you knew that that, that Glenn's was there and you were at the cafe, it could be the next stop on your cycle route or the walk with your children, you know, with your children through the area. So it was, everything was is already there. It's not it's not coming in and you know putting inflicting loads of new things that you know aren't happening in support. It is all happening there already. It's about shining a light on on those businesses and those food offerings and connecting people through food which is such a universal um, substance. It is a universal substance indeed. Thanks Georgina for talking to us about the Greenway project and the What is Your Soul Food recipe campaign. If you'd like to contribute a recipe you can do that on Facebook by searching What is Your Soul Food and joining the Facebook group or you can contribute on Twitter using the hashtag SoulFoodBristol. We're nearing the end of this episode of Held in Common, and it's time for a story now not from Bristol, but from long ago and far away. There was once a man, a traveller. He loved to go from place to place with a pack on his back. One day, when he'd been travelling long on the dusty road, he came to a village in the evening, and he asked about for shelter and a bite to eat. But times had been hard in that village. The harvest had been poor, and people didn't have a lot to spare. In fact, the villagers sadly shook their heads when he asked for food. They scarcely had enough for themselves. No matter, said the traveller. In fact, don't worry, I'll, I'll make do for myself. I've got something with me in my pack. In fact, I was just thinking, I'll make a batch of delicious stone soup. And if you're hungry, you can share it with me. I'm happy to give some to all of you. Stone soup, said the villagers. What's that? We've never heard of stone soup. Oh, said the traveller, you are missing out. It's a treat. You really got to try it. I'll cook some up right away. And with that, he went and he set up his little camping stove and his little camping pot. And the villagers watched as with great ceremony he drew from the pack on his back a stone. And he dropped that stone into the pot along with some water. And everybody gathered round and they watched it boil this stone in the pot. Mmm, said the traveller, breathing in the steam from the water and the stone in the pot. Ah, oh, doesn't that smell delicious? You know, this reminds me of a time when I had the best stone soup. Stone soup with cabbage it was. Oh, it was, oh, it was a feast. Well, the villagers, they pricked up their ears and one of them said, Hmm, well, I've got a little bit of old cabbage in the house, actually. I'll go and get it. Perfect, said the traveller. That will make it mighty fine. So, the villager came back with the cabbage and he popped it into the pot. And the traveller stirred it round and he 
smell the steam rising off the soup again. He said, that is wonderful. You know, this is so good. In fact, it just reminded me of another time when I had stone soup. Stone soup with cabbage and salt beef. Well, the local butcher, he pricked up his ears. He ran a hand through his hair. He thought, hmm, well, must be a little bit of salt beef lying about still in the storeroom. And he went to check. And soon enough, he was back and he added that salt beef to the pot and all oh, the travellers stirred and he breathed in the smell and the villagers drew closer and closer. And he said, why, this is fantastic. This might just be the best stone soup I've ever had with cabbage and salt beef. And oh, you know, if only we had a little bit of onion or some turnip or some carrot or some... He looked around and all of the villagers had disappeared off to their own houses and in a trice they were back and there was suddenly a little bit of carrot and a little bit of turnip in the pots and some onion. And still the traveller stirred and stirred that pot of stone soup and the villagers drew nearer and nearer and nearer and they breathed in. It smelt so good. And that night, everybody in the village ate well. And the next day, many of the villagers, they came to the traveller while he was packing up his things and they offered him great sums of money for the stone, the magic stone that had made that delicious soup. But the traveller shook his head. He said, I'm sorry, it's not for sale. He put his pack on his back and he headed off down the road. But just as he was leaving the village, on the outskirts, he saw some children playing. And the children gathered round him and they laughed and they smiled because they remembered the soup of the night before and they were asking about the stone, the magic stone, and traveller knelt down. He took the stone from his pack and he held it out to one of the children and he said, it's not the stone that is magic, it's all of us together. And he gave the stone to the child and he went on his way to the next village. And if you know a traditional story to tell, or one you'd like to hear on Held in Common, do get in touch. Here's a final contribution from a young Bristol resident who's been enjoying eating and cooking during lockdown. My name is Felix, I am five, and my mum makes good sourdough, and my dad has been making home homemade burgers today. I've been helping with my mum's puddings. That brings us to the end of the second episode of Held in Common. Thank you for listening and for celebrating Bristol's stories of unexpected good. I'd like to thank all of the contributors to this week's podcast. If you'd like to contribute a story to Held in Common, you can find details of upcoming themes and how to record and send your story on the network's website. For more details, you can also email me at polyt at thenetworkbristol.org.uk or you can call me on 075-45-557-001. Our next theme is Going Slow. Positive stories of taking our time and catching our breath. And I'd love to hear how you've been spending time differently during lockdown. I'll be back in a fortnight with more Silver Lining Stories. Until then, stay safe, stay at home and stay connected.
Music for this episode was Vittorio Monti's Pour la Bien Amie, in a new arrangement by Matt Norman.